Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to this week's show. Mike and Gino bring you honest opinions and no gimmicks. And speaking of no gimmicks, last night's game was about as Woo! real as it gets for Dodger fans. Uh, crushing defeat Woo! for the Giants, but man, you were there. Why don't you kind of fill us in as to the vibe at the stadium when you first got there, throughout the game, when they gave up the lead, etc. All it, man. I had to go on... Uh... On Tuesday night, after the I think it was the fifth consecutive loss that the Dodgers had in extra innings, you can hear mm-hmm. my dogs barking also in the background right now because they're very excited the Dodgers won last night. So <laughs> you can hear Bug Rolly and Ellie in the background. They got they got involved early, Mike. Usually it takes a little while for the dogs or for Raider to get involved, but they got involved very early in the show uh, this week. So yeah, a lot a lot of uh, commentary from them. It was fun last <laughs> night though. It was the same thing that happened again. What we saw with the Dodgers and. Um, you and I were just talking off air a minute ago. The relief pitching overall is not bad. And, and what's been frustrating is that these are very good relief pitchers who have all been having very good years. They just have not been able to get it done in the eighth when the Dodgers have a lead or in the ninth when the Dodgers have a lead in these really high leverage situations. And you know that these guys are better than that. Even though they haven't been in the in that moment, they're still not bad pitchers to where their stuff should be this bad. And it's just been one of those, you know, quicksand type things when everything goes wrong, one thing's go wrong, it just continues to go wrong. It's been the timely hitting too with the pitching. It seems like they get the bases loaded or they get runners on and they hit the ball hard right at someone. So I, I think hopefully with the win like they got last night, a win in extra innings, a win that, you know, when they were up three nothing, the the stadium was rocking. Everybody was feeling good. And then when McCutcheon hit the home run to tie the game, it quickly the life was just gone. And you could feel the Dodger fans getting very antsy. I think was the right word because we've seen this happen now four or five games in a row where we get a lead, we get there, and it's been a different pitcher every time. That's what's crazy. Like it hasn't been. Ferguson or Alexander or Baez, you know, multiple times. It's literally been a different pitcher every time that's been giving up the run or two or three runs. And uh, I finally now you get you get a victory. Hopefully it, this kind of cools down the late inning stuff a little bit. Now Maeda's moved to the pen, even though he gave up um, gave up a, a game the other night. I still think he's the best option. It probably is the best option. Like I was telling you a few days ago. I still think it's a t- it's tough for a starter. And I know you said that last year, you know, in the postseason, he came in and was really, really effective, did a good job. You know, from year to year, it can vary. It changes. It does change. I remember the Red Sox uh, a few years back were using Derek Lowe. And he was a great starter and then became an inconsistent starter and then became a closer and then an inconsistent closer and then a starter again and then a closer again. Like if you look at the stats – you know, it's kind of like that Smoltz effect where he kind of did both, that Eckersley did both, Derek Lowe did that, and it just changed from year after year. You yeah, didn't know exactly what you were going to get, but when he was hot and he had it, man, he would, he would bring it. Yeah, he was shut down. And when he I, didn't, you know, he just wasn't getting into that ninth inning mindset. 
What I like about uh, Maeda is that, um, one, I think just overall, even before coming here, he's just a guy who, like, as we've talked about, he's pitched in big moments. I felt bad for Scott, Scott Alexander the other night when he was closing the game and then he walked a couple of the bases load. He looked like a guy that was pitching in the biggest moment of his life. Oh, yeah. That game, you know, he, it's like he was nervous. I'm sure anybody would be, but he was really nervous. He was dripping oh, yeah. sweat. He was kind of bobbling the ball a little bit, even when it was thrown back to him. His body language wasn't that great. Uh, at least with Maeda, he's pitched in big games before coming here to, you know, to play in America. And last year, you know, I looked again at his numbers in the playoffs, too. Like, those are huge games that he was pitching in. He pitched in nine games for the Dodgers through the through the playoffs, I think. And he pitched in the World Series, you know, four times. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't get bigger than that. And and I remember the narrative as a fan last year was every time Maeda came out of the game, it was, why did, why did we pull him? He just got through that inning quick. Get, give him another go. Leave him in for another inning. So that that was the narrative last year. We, hey, remind me, Gino, was it basically because, you know, obviously when you get to the playoffs, you get to set up your rotation differently. Was he setting up for, for Kenley Jansen? Yeah, I mean, it seems like so long ago to me. I don't really remember. Yeah, he was basically like the eighth inning guy. Okay. Uh, he, he became and he he went uh, multiple innings a couple times, but he was he was like the super high leverage. We're going to go to him immediately. He gave up one run. Throughout the entire playoff run, uh, he struck out 10. I mean, he was really, really good last year. And I think the, the major problem is that he doesn't want to be in the in the bullpen. He's And he's made it known multiple times. And, and that, a lot of that has to do with his next contract and how he wants to get paid going forward. Of he course. doesn't want to get typed as a as a reliever, you know, as far as losing a lot of money as a starter. But when it's when it comes you know, this time of year and how much he could really help this team over the next few weeks in particular with Kenley Jansen, you know, not sure when or if he's going to be able to come back. I mean, Maeda can really, really help this team now in the bullpen because they could, if they could lock down that inning, as you mentioned, everyone around and the pieces that they've gone to, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't lost trust in any of them. I, I'm, I wouldn't be afraid to go back to them again, especially in you know the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. But it would be very nice if we could just say, okay, the ninth inning for the next couple of weeks or until uh, Kenley gets back is Maeda's. Yeah, no doubt about it. And by the way, it kind of reminded me when you said that um, you know contractually, you know when you're trying to you know play out this season and looking forward to the future, you know coming in out of the bullpen isn't exactly going to give you a lot of negotiation leverage. And just just wanted to mention really quickly the players union for the uh, MLB players union is having fits about a lot of these teams or not a lot, but a few teams using closers and bullpen guys as starters, you know, yeah. and just starting off the game for like one inning, you know, like over in Tampa, they've done it. And uh, a couple other teams have tried it out. I think the Mariners did once. I think the Rangers did. And you start the game with a relief pitcher and you haven't come in for an inning. Maybe the next guy comes in for like three innings and you just kind of make this like bullpen type game and you see how the game ebbs and flows and you just use relievers throughout. And when you're talking about contracts for starters, it's really, really cheap in the value of a starting pitcher. Yeah. And so I think they're going to probably do something about that. It just kind of reminded me when you said it. And uh, sure. since we're kind of supposed to talk a little bit about business, so I want to throw that business well, piece and, in and there. The way it's, it's always interesting when game, when we see it in every sport too, when the, the game changes, like the style of the game changes. We never think about how that changes the way that the players get paid. 
Yep. You know, uh, even like in the NBA or, you know, in baseball now um, with the way that, as you mentioned, the way that the bullpen's changed, the way that starting pitching has changed, the way that hitting has changed. Even we something we talked about at the beginning of the year, there are a lot of guys who were hitting, you know, 25, 30 home runs that weren't getting paid because the, you know, the launch rate now has changed. And all, so many, this, the floor for what just the average player hits for, as far as home runs and power has raised over the last few years. Again. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, I, I, just, look, in the NFL side, which I deal with, the passing, I'll give you a few you know, examples. Exactly. The numbers, you know, what the, the numbers, big numbers time for, from a decade ago. Yep. Quarterbacks and wide receivers. You know, I remember, you know, when I was a kid, Jerry Rice was in his heyday. And some of the seasons that Jerry Rice had were, you know, beyond belief, just like the baseball equivalent of hitting like 70 home runs and 200 RBIs and hitting for 400 average and that type of thing. And some of those numbers have been totally crushed upon yep. on a seasonal basis. And it's kind of dwarfed on them. Same thing with like Dan Marino. His 48 touchdowns was untouchable for many, 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 many years. The game has changed quite a bit. The position that we've seen almost go extinct is the fullback position out of the NFL. And running, the backs, yeah, and the running backs value has really, really diminished. So outside of maybe the top five running backs in the league, most teams now have running backs by committee. committee. You know, if you go back like 10, 15 years ago and you look at like every team's rushing leader they or the NFL rushing guys leaders. Too. You had a lot of thousand-yard rushers, a ton of them. Now you have a lot of like rookies. You, the rookies teams. in fantasy, you pick the rookies now every year. The the yeah. ones that have the less. But, but look at how many teams. Sure, but look at how many teams last year had a guy rush for eight hundred yards and seven hundred yards. Yep. You know, and, and each then, guy and gets seven in the touchdowns. Game five now too. You know, yeah, and one gets the receiving yards and receptions, and another guy gets more of the goal line carries. It's become such a specialty game. Great point that you made. Games are changing all the time, but we never saw that with baseball really. Baseball's no, I, kind of been the one that's most consistent throughout. The game hasn't changed. We told the last, sort of. yeah, we've really seen it in the last five years, in three, three, two or three years in particular. You know, just the way that the no, like with the numbers went back up again because after the quote unquote McGuire Sosa, you know, quote unquote steroid era, the numbers went down big time for a while, and pitching spiked back up. You know, like yep. as, as Kershaw was really starting to dominate, and we saw. Some of the real, you know, pitchers um, be able to take over games. And now it's, yeah, it's definitely changed back the last few years. I mean, you look up and down most lineups. We talked about a team like the Oakland A's or the Dodgers even. And there are, you know, Kiki Hernandez is in the teens for home runs. Uh, someone who's just a, you know, like a utility everyday type player. There's just, just the way the game has changed a little bit. Yeah, that was, that was a good point that you made too. And kind of interesting to see how how it shifts and what and in what way it shifts in in a lot of the big sports if we yeah, uh, as we've seen because the set like basketball no, there's no centers anymore no. centers don't get paid big really anymore at all or, or in in that sense the few that are good will really get paid because you know that there's they're boom then you lock them in and then that's it uh and then some and some that will get maybe overpaid a little bit but there's just no abundance of centers out there like the lakers this year they didn't really go out and sign any centers, they signed a ton of small forwards just to have a, a, a really interchangeable lineup and to try to go, you know, as small as possible, signing a bunch of wing type players. So um, just completely different approaches. Uh, yeah. And, and if you have a good center, he's probably good, a good three point shooter, which is now, unheard of, which is crazy. <laughs> 10 years you know, ago. Unheard of. When you're growing up, they, that's what your coaches would have never told you if you're a big guy to, to shoot like that. You, they always tell you, get down low, rebound the ball, put it back up. That's what you do when you're a big guy. You know, and now they're handling the ball. They're like decent ball handlers and shooting threes. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's it really, really, really evolved. I, I call it the Warriors effect. 
Sure. I think they've had a really, really big impact on the way the teams are constructing their, you know, lineups and, and, and their rosters and their game plans and strategy. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, uh, uh, let me go back to one thing that you said though. And this is a little bit off topic, but you're talking about Alexander and how much sweat he had, et cetera. So we're, we're based in LA and everybody thinks of, of Los Angeles, great weather year round, which, which it does. But it has been awfully humid here. Oh man, you're right, and it's really, really not, humid. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not making an excuse for the guys, but no, I'm wondering no, right. if they're just not used to it, and it's taken maybe it's toll on some of these guys a little bit. It, it's been the weather's been different. That's a great way of putting it. it normally, we just it's it's not as muggy, you know. Uh, to be to be honest, out here, it's it's a lot just more clear. It's a little there's a little more breeze, and you get a, a nice airflow. It's yeah, that could be. It's I mean, funny you say that because last night I was uh, I was doing you know doing a little preparation for this show today and doing some work, and I opened the door and the windows maybe around I don't know it was eleven p.m. and by eleven twenty I found myself kind of sweating a little bit and I was like what the heck is going on here I had to yeah. close them and turn on turn on the AC again I yeah, thought I could get away with uh, saving a little electricity but yeah it's been really really humid I wonder if that's having an impact on the guys. Not to make an excuse because, you know, these guys are paid a lot of money. And, and are, you're not a Dodger fan, so you're not really making an excuse. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to wonder, though. You kind of yeah. have to wonder if, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, where when it rains, it pours. You have, obviously, your all-star closer, you know, one of your team MVP type guys who, who goes down. And now you have and this uh, committee that's trying effect, to, you know, yeah, it's domino effect. You have this committee that's trying to kind of do some patchwork, you know, just to get them by until Kenley Jansen comes back. Yeah, kind of makes saw, you wonder, though, because there's been some criticism, right? Because I, after Machado, did they have to get Dozier? Because well, they've got I, by, by maybe going after some of these guys that the A's got to shore up their bullpen, perhaps? I, well, remember, he's he's not necessarily a, the biggest name, but a, another guy who pitched pretty well and would have been in this spot right now, too. But he got hurt, and he's on the DL as Axford. And they went and got Axford as a guy who used to close games and to help at the back of the bullpen. He's been a closer in different I spots. never really liked that move anyway. You, you know, his I, best I, years were behind him. I agree. I didn't, I didn't, and I, I'm not saying I love the move, but the, a move was made. He would have been available at least. Yeah. yeah, is that he would have been another option to go to late in the game as a guy who has closed games. And we got to remember, like you said, Kenley got hurt. It, it wasn't as if Kenley just got hurt. It wasn't as if, Kenley got hurt before the trade deadline. They had all this opportunity to go get someone, and then they didn't. This just recently happened. So it was the bullpen with the idea of them thinking, okay, we just we're going to get Ryu back, which he came back and pitched a great game last night. Which you know, if he's he's another guy that just being in your rotation or having him as like a three four starter or a guy that can help you out of your bullpen. He sure doesn't hurt because they, they know that they have so much depth there. I was, I'm was i still more so than them making a deal at the deadline for a bullpen guy because I, I still think they thought, okay, we have maybe a Stripling or a Wood or Marietta combinations of them that we can put in there. Urias is back, Bueller. We have a lot of guys that we can either have as like a number two, three starter or push into the bullpen. I would have just loved to get another top of the line starter. I really wanted, I was banging the, the DeGrom drum for a long time. I know he didn't end up uh, making a move. I thought maybe Archer would have been a, a nice fit for the Dodgers. They deal a lot with Tampa in particular with the front office that has been there before. Uh, I, that's what I would have wanted. Cause then what that does, we talk about domino effect. That also helps your domino effect, 
you know, make bringing it back to the bullpen. It strengthens your bullpen when you get another starter like that, and then you can bump another starter back in there. So um, that was the move that I think, instead of necessarily going and getting Fernando Rodney, I would have preferred another starter. Let me ask you this. We've got a few minutes here, and by the way, our next guest is going to be uh, Nick Hines, Sarge from TVG. He's going to be talking to us a little bit about the uh, big stakes races and big weekend coming up at Del Mar, especially the uh, Del Mar Oaks and the uh, TVG Pacific Classic. But before he joins us, what do you make of this National League West? The Giants obviously have found a way to somehow claw their way back into it with a mediocre lineup with a decent pitching staff. Obviously they got mad bum back. It's been a big difference, uh, but they've got some good young arms, I guess like Suarez and uh, Pudge's son has done a pretty decent job as well. But the gap between the top and the bottom is tightened. You got four teams there within, uh, you know, five games or so. What, what, what do you think happens from here on out? Are the Dodgers able, let's just say Canley doesn't come back until September 1st. You know, how do you see this thing shaking out? Gino? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I really do have a lot of faith in Maeda, and I hope that that's the, the plan they stick with, and they give him at least a couple more opportunities before he, like, blows it. So I, I'm hoping that they say right now, the job is yours until Ken Ling gets back, because if that's the case, I, I still like the pieces around in the bullpen. I still, I, I'm still fine with Alexander and Ferguson and Floro, and um, I, I think they have a lot, they have some fine pieces out there um, when Stripling gets in there too. He's another one who's been in the bullpen also before he was good in the playoffs for the Dodgers last year. And he was a bullpen guy at the beginning of the year who just out of necessity became a starter. So he, he can bounce back and forth if need be. Um, hopefully Urias is going to get in the mix also too. So I think this team is, is fine. Um, the timely hitting has been, you know, their, their biggest nuisance really the last decade. Every, every time that the Dodgers struggle, it's because the hitting with runners and scoring position shows up and they get their opportunities. That's what what's frustrating as a Dodger fan is very rarely do they lose and they just get beat up. When they lose, it's games that they let slip away. Um, they always seem like they're in it. So that, 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 you know, you can take that both ways in that it, you always do feel like you have a chance, but there are very, very many times where it seems like the Dodgers have a game under wraps and then, uh, you know, they're up a run or two early in the game. They continue to get opportunities. They continue to have a pitcher on the ropes, and they just can't, um, you know, they can't put their foot on them, you know. They, they can't just close the door. So hopefully um, in the next month we can see, because this lineup, when they're healthy, and, when, you know, when you have Turner, Machado, and Dozier at the top of the lineup, you have a Bellinger who's really, you know, starting to swing the bat very, very well. Puig is hitting the ball hard. And when Puig's hitting eighth for you, you know, that's a, that's a deep lineup. No doubt. No doubt about it. And, you know, when you look at the standings, if you're a believer in, you know, analytics or even the most basic numbers and you look at like the plus minus, you know, meaning when you look at the season collectively, if you've scored more runs than you've given up, then, you know, the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers have clearly separated themselves in that department over the Rockies and the Giants. So I'm probably going to stick to that and say that whoever probably has the best bullpen, because I don't believe in the Diamondbacks, you know, relief staff, although they've done a pretty good job. I don't think that they've been there in crunch time. It'll be interesting to see down, you know, down the stretch here if they're able to save really, really big games. Um, so I, I'm going to say that the the team that gets the best out of their bullpen between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers probably win that division. Um, you know, but 
it'll also depend on if they're able to kind of sneak a wild card in. Doesn't look like it right now, right? Because the Cubs and the Brewers are playing pretty well, and they each have over 68 wins. And then the uh, Braves and the Phillies are playing pretty well. Each of those have above 66 wins. Diamondbacks have 66. Dodgers at 65. So yeah, they're they're going to be fun in the National League. There's going to be five, you know, five or six teams all battling because right now there's uh, six teams separated by three games in the for the wild card between you know Philly, Milwaukee, the Cardinals, the Rockies, and the Dodgers. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree. This, well, see, at this time of year, I, I look a little bit when you're talking about like wild card spots. I look a little bit less at the games behind, and I look a little bit more as to how many teams do we have to leapfrog. Sure. So oh, for yeah. the Dodgers, how many teams do we have to leapfrog? Because they can do their part, but they're going to have to hope that several other teams don't. Where it's in the division race, you're talking about just you got to beat the Diamondbacks, and that's yeah. all you have to. You know yeah, what I mean? it's, so, it's still yeah, it's still close enough to where like you know the Dodgers and Rockies are tied, and the, and the Cardinals are would be the only team you know the Cardinal and the Brewers are one back. So yeah, yeah you're right. And I didn't even mention the Cardinals who've uh, you know been won quiet eight in a row, quietly uh, playing Granted, very against well. kind of inferior competition, but they've done their job right. It seems wins. like maybe that managerial right change now, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, it seems that the managerial change maybe uh, lit a fire underneath, underneath their butt. I don't know. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about baseball also when uh, we have the second guest that we're going to have, David Gaskin from Fox Sports, join us. But let's take our very first commercial break right now, and then we'll shift the focus a little bit to horse racing, talk to Sarge about the Del Mar weekend coming up here. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to hear his selections and to hear you and him go back and forth as to who's going to come out on top, and maybe we could all make a few bucks. So stay with us. We'll be right back in a few short moments with Nick Hines from TVG. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Welcome back, everyone. You know, it's kind of funny. We've uh, unofficially kind of become like the uh, Dodgers and Red Sox central yeah. over here. Yeah. You know, but I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, one of our frequent listeners. He was actually the winner of uh, one of our football handicapping contests for the Super Bowl for actually the NFL playoffs. And that's uh, Joe Q, Joe Quillen. And uh, him and I had a pretty uh, fun Twitter conversation back and forth yesterday because his Phillies played uh, my favorite team, the Red Sox, and they had a short two-game series. They split that, and uh, Joe, he uh, didn't come at me with smack talk. He came at me with real talk, just kind of like, hey, it was a good series. You know, the Phillies are still a couple years behind. So we had a really, really fun conversation uh, late last night when I was while I was doing work. Uh, we were just kind of going back and forth on Twitter and talking about the Phillies and, and where they're at. You know, um, he kind of educated me a little bit more about you know, how deep they really, really are. They've got a pretty good team, man. You know, they they're, they're a team that can make some noise in the playoffs. They're good. They're good. And uh, great to hear from Joe. We love, man, we love the interaction with the the listeners out there on Twitter or if you're, if we ever posted on Facebook or anything like that. I know uh, some fans out there have been uh, tweeting to me recently, Starfish out there, shout out. But we, we love the interaction, the back and forth. So uh, any, any questions for any of the guests that you ever have on or one of these weeks, Mike, I think we should do uh We'll, we'll promote it for all week, and we'll just do a Q&A with you and I. And we can just, you know, you know have any questions come in for you or I, because we never really have done a show where, like, we introduced everybody to you, you know? We just kind of started rolling. We haven't ever really broke down your life all that much and your backstory and, like, some of the things that got you to where you are now and some of the interactions that you have. You have some really cool stories. Um and I'd be down to answer any questions that any of the listeners ever had about anything. So that might be a fun idea for a show or maybe even a couple segments or maybe even something at the end of the week if we can we can promote it uh, and get some good questions out there from from folks. I, I, I think know. that's a great idea. I think that would be yeah. a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, similarly, I'm guessing there's probably a lot of people that um, haven't heard your story or remember you from TVG, have been following you since the days of TVG, but maybe don't. Uh, actually know how you got into the industry you know were, were you a part of a horse racing family did you get brought up into it how did you actually find a way to get on television it's a pretty cool story for those who don't know it so i think that'd be a lot of fun and the other thing too is you know when you're talking about the uh, appreciation for listeners interacting with us absolutely true I would suspect that because a majority, a great majority of our listeners listen to the on-demand yeah, or listen to right. Apple iTunes later, that the feeling is that, uh, you know, A, it's too late to be able to interact. But it's absolutely not. Anytime that you have questions, we will incorporate it into the following week's show. So please don't hesitate to bring it at any time. And if you happen to be available during our time slot, we are on live from 11 a.m. to noon Pacific Coast or uh, Pacific Time, uh, Pacific Standard Time, uh, bring us your questions or on a tweet. Yeah, air. call us or on phone. the 888 number. Give us a we, call. Yep, yeah, we, we blast it out all the time. So you know, feel free to uh, jump in. Yeah, and, uh, love it, love it. I mean, that was one thing when I when I was on. I've always I've always in, enjoyed the. Uh, the back and forth interaction and that was kind of what you said. were what you were known for on yeah. TV. if i remember correctly you had the uh, most interactive the show most socially on interactive right? show yeah. in all of horse racing there you yeah go. so we, we had a good time there and uh because that's the key man we're we can sit up here and talk about whatever and have uh and have our opinions but we want to know what you want us to talk about what you want to hear about the most and we'd love to discuss what the things that are that you guys are interested in uh, in having us talk about, so we appreciate it. Joe's great, and uh, and everyone else out there love love the back and forth, love the interaction, and hopefully Joe, let's make a little money at Del Mar 
this weekend because uh, it's a big weekend at Del Mar. And honestly, Mike, I you know I, I'm not one who's afraid to get negative or, or real, especially when it comes to horse racing. And in particular, the last couple of years, when I see things that I don't like, I'll say it. Man, this Del Mar meet has been excellent. They have done a great job. The field sizes have been great. The quality racing has been really, really good. Um, I got to give them a shout. And 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 I think what what makes it even more noticeable is that, um, unfortunately, Saratoga seems like they're having the opposite kind of a meet. Just from weather to some bad luck to, you know, so many races having to come off the grass after the things have started, cancellations. It just seems like there's been a bad kind of vibe over the meet at Saratoga and a really good vibe over the meet at Del Mar. No doubt about it. The field sizes have been tremendous. The turf racing has been awesome. You know, the the Wednesday cards have been good. The weekend cards have been good. You've had a nice mix of uh, prices and logicals. I think I read a statistic that showed that on dirt, uh, Del Mar has had probably about 41% winners when it comes to favorites. But on turf, I think it's in the low 20s. You know, so I'd like to see that dirt out. number yeah. come down a little bit. Um, but, you know, you're always going to get that on turf, right? Especially with big yeah. fields, you're going to get a lot more surprises, horses coming from behind, et cetera. But um, I, I would say the track has played pretty fair for the most part, wouldn't you say? Yeah. It's not as I, much of a conveyor belt as maybe early, Santa Anita. Early in the meet, it was very hard to win coming up the inside. From like from off the pace, it was hard to make the inside rally. And then in the last week or two, it shifted. And you saw horses that were able to make that kind of inside move and sustain that move and continue. So, yeah, it has it, it just like anything. And what that happens at Del Mar, days will play a little differently than the next. But it's it's been fair. There hasn't been anything unfair or there haven't been horses that, you know, early on, just a little bit on the inside. But, um, you know, and then what you do is you kind of play them back now. And some of those horses who um, maybe made a move and they, they, they couldn't sustain it and you saw them on the inside and you give them another shot back this time because the, the track's playing a little bit differently. But I, it's been a been a very good meet. I've been very, very happy with it. And, you know, when you handicap the races for any meet, every race, every day, it gets a little exhausting or tiring or frustrating sometimes. And I haven't really gotten that fatigue yet with Del Mar. It's been fun. It's been good. Um, even, you know, win, winning and losing and back and forth. But it's it's been very, very fun. Um, so let me, can, let me ask you this then. Because we, we usually get really caught up in the race-by-race race handicapping and discussions. But let's talk kind of a little bit bigger picture and overview. What do you think so far about the payoffs uh, for somebody who – is maybe a little bit tired of, of handicapping an entire Saratoga card, come to find that half the winners that they'd picked out have been scratched before the day even starts, and they're maybe starting to play a little bit more on the Del Mar side of things on the West Coast. What are some of the wagers that you found have been fruitful? Because I've got some thoughts on that as well, but between the horizontals or the verticals, which ones have you found to be of good value? Where you're like, you know what? I can't believe that that trifecta paid that much. That was pretty solid or, or, or a double or whatever. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, and for me now, in particular, the way that it's been the last few years with the lower takeout, the pick five is always where a lot of my focus and most of my bankroll is going to be. I think you can, you know, you can a lot of times key in on a horse or two. Um, you can put, a, put together a couple different tickets that complement each other. And it's just worth, in my opinion, spending you know, if you have a bankroll, spending 65% of your bankroll early in that, even if you're going to lose because the payout is just the best. It's just it's just worth it. You know, the pick fours are fine. The takeout's a little bit different. You are you can play more of pick three 
um, at Del Mar. Whereas honestly, during Southern in Southern California throughout the rest of the year, it's hard to play a lot like pick threes at San Diego. Pick threes are unplayable. They're, they're very difficult. They, they're small. You have to play them really small and multiple times. You can actually play a little like you can play a pick three here at Del Mar a little bit. Um, you know, pick pick a couple races. Well, look a race at that week. one yesterday. The the one that closed out the card, the final three. You had a, a pretty pretty obvious single i think in the in the final leg in race eight and yeah. uh, i think you had maybe a multiple four to one winner or something along those lines and uh you know it paid like 114 bucks so with that said let's put this on hold because we have our next guest david gaskin uh ready to to join us so let's shift the focus back to baseball basketball a little bit of football and uh and and then we could shift back to uh horse racing and and, and talk with nick hines from tvg so David Gaskin is with Fox Sports, the Fox Sports Sports family of networks, Fox Sports Radio. He's also been seen on ESPN and a multitude of other sports networks, as well as Stadium. David, you're on with Mike and Gino. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I was actually just gearing up. I'm looking at flights right now. Since you guys are talking horse racing for a little bit, I'm trying to get out to uh, to the UK next year and go to the Royal Races over in Ascot. So, oh, uh, nice. I, I, nice. I, I appreciate any and all advice I can get, and that includes anything on transportation from Los Angeles out to the uh, <laughs> out to the UK. So I, I might have to be giving you guys a call more often than not over the next couple months. Sure, well, no well, doubt about that. I mean, people, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Gino in particular, but we both have pretty good relationships with the guys over at TVG, the Horse Race Network. In fact, uh, you know, right. our next guest is uh, is with TVG, and they send out a crew to cover Royal Ascot. So maybe, uh, you know, Gino or I could get some uh, tips on uh, how to go about doing that. I, get, I take it it's your first time going out there? Oh, it'll be my first time. It's, it's wild because I got a couple buddies that uh, love the ponies, and I, I actually – went to school and lived down in San Diego for, for close to 10 years. And so it was always a, a regular theme where you grab a bunch of guys, you take a limo or two with a good group of people, and you go up from, like, Mission Valley or La Jolla and go up to uh, to Del Mar. And so I got a handful of buddies that are, are hitting me the dreaded 40, and one of them was like, let's go to Ascot. And I'm like, what the hell is Ascot? And then all of a sudden <laughs> I watched the NBC coverage of it. Um, a few months ago, and I thought they did a phenomenal job just in terms of the layout, in terms of the coverage, in terms of what they did, just talking about the, the fans that are in attendance. And then, I mean, the, the setup is just, I mean, when you go to Del Mar and you're a young 20-year-old or something, you're like a kid in a candy store because you see everyone dressed up uh, the nines, and you're like, hey, man, this is a show. But you go to the UK, it is a completely different el- element. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I know it's obviously midway through June, and that's a long way away from now, but uh, I, I will definitely appreciate any guidance along the way because it'll be a, a rookie uh, a rookie occasion for me. So I oh, no doubt. Guys. I know yeah, you got to plan ahead for that. football season upon us. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> no kidding. And just, just to share my progression really quickly, so I grew up up in Northern California going to the Stockton Fair, and then I went to sure. your neck of the woods, UC San Diego. So I was one of those guys that was coming up from La Jolla to Del Mar for uh, four years sure. consistently and loving every minute of it. Talk about a huge difference between the people at the Stockton Fair and the eye candy at Del Mar. <laughs> Enough said there, right? So haven't yeah, been to Ascot, but I'm sure even – yeah, the big jump oh, yeah. too. I know it all too well. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it'll be fun, and so I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, Del Mar is always great, a great scene, and 
and obviously it's an all-day festivity, so doing something like that over over in the UK for a week will be be phenomenal. But I know, guys, we got a lot of football to talk about, and obviously with Major League Baseball wanting on down, it's really a lot on the plate. So I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and before we get into all that, I was going to ask you, what what are you working on? Where where can we see you doing your thing in the late summer here and the early fall? Well, a couple different things. One, uh, I'm on Fox Sports Radio, typically uh, on the weekends, uh, 10 to 5 Pacific. Uh, but they kind of switch formats around just because football season is revving back up. So basketball season and, and obviously baseball winding on down. Uh, do a lot of filling stuff throughout the week. Um, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays now are kind of dedicated towards that whole football from from the prep to the college to the, to the professional ranks. So Friday night, Fox Sports West, I'm on there. I do a lot of the prep coverage um, with the with the powerhouses here in Southern California. You got like the Modern Days, the St. John Bosco's, the Uplands, and and those sure. programs. So I'm on Fox Sports West. It's also in the Fox Sports app. If you could check that out, um, they got a, a plethora of games. So typically we'll have five games started every Friday night, um, and the platform is just tremendous because obviously you can use a mobile device anywhere to go and watch these games. But now you see more and more of the kids from Southern California, from Texas, and from Florida. Uh, they're not hidden anymore. So you find them immediately on these on these high school packages. And then lo and behold, you'll see them on Saturdays now in the morning, the afternoon, even the nighttime. And so um, it goes from one thing to another. And that kind of bleeds over to my work over at Stadium. Um, I was with Stadium. Yeah, tell us about that. Tell us a little bit about Stadium and our listeners to find out a little bit more about what, uh, what, stadiums, what Stadium is and what kind of platform is it. Yeah, Stadium is a digital platform that's based out of uh, out of Chicago, and it's a, a tremendous platform that allows viewers to kind of look over everything, not just the professional level of sports, but also the collegiate level. And now they've dipped their toes into the the high school level as well. And so, it's a twenty four hour seven uh, twenty four hours a day, seven day a week platform, which has live programming, talk shows, and then it goes into uh, some live events. They've done a lot the college the last couple of years so i i am there as a contributor um i've been there when they first started off they were actually campus insiders um that was when i was in san diego uh so went from campus insiders rebranded a little bit to 120 sports and now it's officially stadium so they partnered with with silver chalice and they also are, are partnered with the national hockey league the pga tour and and sinclair broadcast groups so they get their hands a little bit of everything and they're in Chicago, so you know it's obviously a major media market, so they, they kind of don't shy away from anything, whether it's big or small. And, of course, they, they love the UFC out there, too. So um, great group of guys to work with out there, and I've been a, a part of it for a handful of years now, and I look forward to doing more of it in years to come. Okay, I'm not going to shy away. i got to jump right into it because I'm a big Trojan fan now. And uh, we lost Sammy Darnold last year, and, and kind of the big buzz is the quarterback race and um, what's going to happen with this Trojan team. I think there's a lot of uncertainty uh, about this particular group. They're still the most, you know, one of the most talented teams in the nation. Um, when, when you look at the depth and the talent that they have uh, offensively in some of the skill positions um, with the wide receivers that are in, and I think the defense or the secondary, the back seven is very good. But what, are, what are your kind of thoughts and how do you, how do you get a feel for, uh, for the Trojan football team this year? Well, that's a good question. I think first and foremost, now that I've seen these guys at the college level and covered them at the high school level, 
I'll be frank, guys. I'm getting. I feel like I'm a little old now. <laughs> you guys like develop so much. You're like, wait a minute. These guys are strapped with the pads on Friday nights, and now they move over to college on Saturdays. But all jokes aside, I think it'll be an interesting situation with the quarterback spot, in particular with with JT Daniels. I mean, Daniels was an absolute stud for modern day. I mean, his junior season, he had over 50 touchdown passes and just four INTs. In fact, his sophomore season. He threw for 67 touchdowns. Now, that offense is not the same offense that's going to be run at Southern Cal, but the level of competition that Daniels faced in the Trinity League and throughout the nation is something that will get him acclimated to this game right away. So he's he's a young guy, but at the same instance, I wouldn't shy away from having a guy like that call my plays from under center. Um, right from the opening kickoff, and keep in mind with with USC the last couple of years, I'm a Darnold guy too. I love what he has done in a short period of time. But frankly, I haven't seen a USC team with a good quarterback get manhandled like they did last season uh, right. against Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, and and that was something for me that really stood out. Uh, you go back two years ago when they got slapped around by by Alabama. Max Brown was the starting quarterback there. Um, Darnold got himself in and acclimated, but it took him some time. And, and frankly, I mean, he bailed out Clay Helton in that Rose Bowl game. And you guys remember the firefight between USC and Penn State? That thing was was back and forth. And oh, yeah. if you're a gambler, you you probably hated that game unless you had the <laughs> <over>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but if you're a USC or Penn State fan, you, you absolutely hated it. So um, you know, for for me, I, I kind of look at at what JT Daniels will bring to the table. He's a big guy. Uh, his junior year, heading into his junior year, he actually ran a little bit of track, so it improved his mobility in and outside the pocket. And I think that's going to be huge for him just because of, of what you see, not with the Pac-12 conference and the speed there, but when USC gets out of conference and they have to play a team that's from the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big 12, I mean, you need to have that kind of quarterback. And it's kind of like college basketball. If you have a point guard that can dominate the ball and make an impact, all the way around the court, up and down, your team's going to win a lot of games. That's the same thing with a quarterback in college athletics. I think that you can have two or three skilled players offensively and defensively, but if you don't have that signal caller uh, behind center to call the shots and navigate you up and down the field, I think you're going to have a hard time winning. So, um, I mean, USC fans know it all too well from the Rose Bowl 10, 15 years ago with, with Vince Young. So with USC, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be a challenging year, but they got to win here immediately because Chidelli and UCLA are knocking on the door. You know, David, there, there's so many different things that we want to talk to you about, and we're kind of up against the clock. Um, you know, I feel like we could probably uh, chat with you for a full hour. You know, is it okay if we invite you back in a couple of weeks and uh, maybe talk a little bit more college football, talk a little bit more about what you have going on, and maybe we'll have some tips for you for Ascot? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and hopefully between uh, now and then, the uh, Dodgers bullpen situation uh, corrects itself. So I will, uh, I'll be standing on by. But yeah, absolutely. I went to the game last night. I took care of it myself personally. So I've righted the ship. <laughs> I talked to I talked to Doc. Uh, I told Mayeda just to settle down a little bit. It's going to be your your job until Kenley gets back. So I think we'll be good. I think we'll be good. Oh, yeah, now we need a bridge from the 6th to the 7th inning, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, David, I'll be in touch with you, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on with us. And for anybody that wants to uh, follow David on Twitter, it's David J. Gaskin, G-A-S-C-O-N. 
and he's a great Twitter follow and uh, encourage everybody to check him out. Got a lot to say. And uh, we'll be in touch with you soon to bring you back on and talk a little bit more sports, David. Sounds good, fellas. Have yourself a, a good weekend. Thank you so much. You too. That's David That's Gaskin from Fox Sports. We will take our next commercial break and be back with Sarge to talk some horse racing and the Del Mar TVG Pacific Classic. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thunder chickens beware. We're coming for you. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, it's all about the Spring Gobbler Smackdown. And our panel of pros are out for beards. Joining us is David Blanton of Bill Jordan's Realtree Outdoors and Monster Bucks, outdoor writer M.D. Johnson, and Pete Muller from the National Wild Turkey Federation. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. Mike and Gino here with our next guest, Nick Hines, better known as Sarge from TVG. What is up, my man? That's in hut. And uh, late, late morning to you, gentlemen. How are you? <laughs> Outstanding, man. How are you? Uh, doing wonderful. We're doing a wonderful, exciting week, obviously, uh, with a number of things happening uh, on the heels of attending uh, the Dallas Cowboys training camp uh, yesterday. A salute to uh, those that make it happen. And uh, yes, for this, uh, this, this weekend, it's going to be phenomenal from coast to coast, namely out here on the left coast with the, uh, the $1 million TVG Pacific Classic. You know, before I step aside and let you and Gino really, really take the take charge of, of the remaining portion of the show, breaking down the TVG Pacific Classic, I want to ask you a question that I posed to Gino a little bit ago, which is, you know, we've kind of both observed that, that the pick three has had some pretty good value this meet. Has, has there been a wager in particular where you're like, you know what, this thing is paying pretty well, man. It's, it's, uh, it's where, where my money should go. Well, I'm actually, I would take it one step shorter in a sense that I think the doubles the doubles, the doubles have been pretty phenomenal because what you've no, noticed is that if you pay close attention to the board, and I'm talking paramutually, just based on the race, for example, these horses that have been bet down in half or by a third have been firing left and right. Now, Russell Hudak, who is the, the head clocker at Del Mar, I've always respected his, uh, his morning line odds-making. So 
you know, guys are like, oh, it's a bad morning line. It's a bad. No, bottom line is he's been probably one of the most consistent at making a morning line for years. So, truthfully, I, I think that when you see those moves on board, that's real money. That's that's not a bad morning line. So uh, that's where I think the doubles come into play. You, you have to really dig as far as trying to find it for the doubles and uh, the exactness. You know, I, I shorted it up because I've been a pick four player. I don't know, and it probably because, and Gino knows this, I mean, we were both obviously comrades at PBG, and, you know, the pick four is, is where we were to hammer at home. But at the end of the day, you know, I find myself swimming in superstar expectas and, and, and playing chase it role. But honestly, the doubles and the exactas, I think, have been two of the most uh, lucrative for me at Del Mar this year. Well, Sarge, we got the uh, the big race, so let's start there, and then uh, if we have some time, we'll move back to some of the other races. And we got to start with Accelerate in the uh, the Grade One TVG Pacific Classic this weekend. It was uh, a pretty interesting audible call in the San Diego when John Sadler had Catalina Cruiser in there, scratches Accelerate. Catalina Cruiser just crushes the field very impressively. We are going to find uh, him going to Saratoga next. It looks like, but Accelerate now will be the heavy, heavy favorite in here. He's been a really good horse pretty much from day one, and he's in the last year or two. And I think the knock always on him was, can he go this far? Is he really a mile-and-a-quarter type horse? Is he more of a miler type? But he's really matured and grown up uh, in the last year, year and a half or so. And he, he is definitely up there and one of the better horses in training right now. No, I would agree. You know, the one thing you can look through the smoke of the uh, San Diego is that Accelerate really only, I think, only had one 5 H drill. So I almost feel like he was a smokescreen. Sure. Catalina yeah. Cruiser, just to throw people off. But I think at the end of the day, uh, I'll be honest with you, my biggest concern with Accelerate this weekend is, you know, you talk about distance being one, but the rider. You know, I really think Victor Espinosa, there were, there were races where I really felt that he willed that horse to victory, where it looked like, say, inside the 3 8 pole, Five sixteenths, you start to shut down, and Victor gave him a couple of you know gave him a couple of hard cracks and pumps and got him going again. Rosario's not Victor Espinosa, and Victor Espinosa's not Rosario. They're two different riders, so I I think there's going to be vulnerability there. And, and not to kind of jump into it, but quite honestly, do you know what? The fact that Baffert puts Doctor Door in there, it'll be his third race in six weeks, which is a lot to ask, and he's not a mile and a quarter horse. I think you would have to agree with me. Sure. I think it's a a setup for the uh, the mystery horse, that Roman Rosso. Yeah, and I, it's I've just going to ask you about that, him. Yeah, right. I mean, you look at his you look at his form, and he's got a lot of ones and a lot of G ones. And I realize he's coming up from the uh, Southern Hemisphere, but you know, before you were born and uh, you're a young man and uh, an aspiring uh, a championship handicapper, which uh, you, you you're well on your way and then some. But I can be honest with you, back in the day, South American horses. When they would run at Del Mar, they just seemed to run best. And why? Because of the climate. If it's, especially this year. I, mean, I don't know if you've been down to Del Mar, but it's been like a jungle down there as far as the humidity. So that's just my two cents. Roman Rosso, so that's the number four who is the wild card who's coming into the Baffert Barn for the first time. And, and Sarge, you're right in, in the sense that this year in particular, the, the older division like this is ripe for a new face, for a new horse, for, you know, a couple horses at the top. Because even with Accelerate being at the top, he's at the top of a division that's not quite that strong. You, we've lost some of the, the major hitters over the last couple of years. And 
I mean, a horse like this could could very very easily come in and steal this race, and I think he's he's interesting. Is there? So we we've talked accelerate, we've talked Roman Russell as as kind of the the real wild card horse and the real X factor to the race. Is there anyone else in here? Uh, maybe Pavel. Um, anyone else that strikes your fancy at all? You mentioned Doctor Door for Baffer, the lieutenant from the inside, who's coming back from Belmont. Well, just real quick on accelerate, you know. I, Look at his, his effort last year. He actually prepped off of the San Diego Handicap. So you're, you're basically looking at, what, five, six, seven weeks in between races now? So I, with the vulnerability there, the one thing that concerns me about the lieutenant, you know, he's a half to, uh, he's a half to the champ, triple crown winning justified. Um, I, I think he's definitely up to the task as far as the, the comer. But the truth be told with him, you know, he was on the vets list at Del Mar for bleeding. And that might be the, the underlying factor for that horse who is now, what, five years old? He's only had 13 races. So as bad as the humidity is, I'm having difficulty going that way. And I have all the respect in the world for Mr. Warren, a Notre Dame alumnus, and uh, Mike McCarthy, Whitey, who worked for Pletcher all those years. But at the end of the day, the horse that, that, that kind of interests me a bit, and while I'm not convinced he's truly a mile-and-a-quarter horse's prime attraction, that I just think he has positional speed. And if there's going to be an upset, and it won't be the mystery horse, which I like, maybe Prime Attraction can surprise. But I just I don't see the shorter price horses landing on top here. Nick Hines, the Sarge, joining us. We have just a couple of minutes left in the show today. We thank uh, the Sarge for talking some TVG Pacific Classic with us because I know the Sarge has got to be uh, busy with uh, with SummerSlam coming up this weekend also. And he had the Cowboys. So, Sarge, what a week for you. You had the Cowboys training camp. You're heading down to Del Mar for the Pacific Classic. We got a big wrestling show, like seven hours on on Sunday. But uh, one, one more wow. horse racing question before before we uh, we get going. We've seen two really, really nice two-year-olds so far at Del Mar. We've seen Instagram and Roadster, and it looks like they're going to hook up at the end of the meet. Um, what have you thought of those two so far? And uh, and if you had to throw your hat into one side, which one would it be? Well, that, that's really that, that's really splitting hairs. I mean, it, I mean you're talking <laughs> yeah. about two. I mean, two two horses that. I mean, obviously Instagram from what he did the other day. I'll tell you what. Knowing that that was Instagram's second career start in the Best Pal, and knowing that Roadster, it will be his second start in the Del Mar Futurity, I'd have to give the edge to Roadster. Uh, you know, if Instagram continues to ascend like that, I mean, he, he would probably be the, the, the best and greatest since Lazarus. I mean, if, if he improves or moves forward off of that race, which I think he'll need to, some say, hey, he could probably bounce and still beat Roadster. But, you know, Baffert, I mean, he's cooked this up for... And uh, even if he's the inferior, talented horse at this stage of the game. Uh-oh. Did we lose Sarge there? We might have. We might have. There's that one patch when you're driving down from Today. L.A. to Del Mar where my phone always cuts out. So, uh, but we I got guess... the goods. We got the goods. Yeah, we no. got the good, the good info oh, from it. Um, hey, we've got about two minutes left in the show, Gino. Let's uh, talk about what I think is the best wagering opportunity, which is the Oaks. I think that field is wide, wide open. Very, very fun betting race. Uh, a couple horses that I think make sure to include in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Animosity, who has showed a lot more speed uh, than the last time out. And I like the fact that she was able to come from way out of it. I don't like the, the post, but I do like the fact that I've seen this as a filly that I didn't know that she could 
she had that in her repertoire that she could come from that far out of it and that she did. So I like to see that with animosity. I like that she has some versatility. And then the other one is the five, Fatale Bear, who Fatale Bear was favored in the honeymoon in the saddle slip that day. Then went over to, to Belmont and was in the grade one Oaks and really didn't run that bad in a kind of a similar race with animosity was only beaten a couple of lengths. So those are two horses to make sure to include in some of your exotics. Yeah. And I'd say in, in the uh, whole grand scheme of things, the superfecta here is going to be huge, almost no matter which four horses come in. And um, if I could just get throughout maybe a, a big time long shot to maybe put into third or fourth slots, it just seems like Pereira and Coroner have uh, teamed up to do pretty well recently. Coroner's been uh, excellent. Yeah, they kind of strike when uh, when you least expect it uh, with Ms. Pientour, 20 to 1 morning line from the number one slot. So that's kind of my uh, long shot play to consider sneaking into some of the verticals. Um, we've just uh, got a, a moment here, so we got to wrap up. Do you have a selection for the uh, the two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar presented by the Japan Racing Association, the turf race? Uh, yeah, the uh, the Delmar handicap. I, I do think you give a shot back to it's in the post. It's in the post was really really sharp, and he just threw in a clunker, and he's not quite good going shorter. So stretching back out, getting more distance. I expect a better effort from him. They wouldn't wheel him back and put him in this race. Um, if he wasn't ready to fire another big effort. So sometimes you're just in great form and you just throw in a clunker. I'm willing to give him a mulligan for that one. And I think because of that poor effort, the value will be better. You're going to get a better price on it's in the post in here. So uh, no, I, I was reading, by the way, that Gaffleone is not going to make it in town and that multiplier is probably going to be scratched. Well, I'll have to check on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Yeah, because I was told that Gaffleone is going to stay behind uh, because of the scratch and uh, stay at Gulfstream or he's nice. going to... Be a Gulfstream. Um, Ashley loves sugar. Nice uh, veteran type of horse. Maybe uh, uh, I, I think he's lost a step. Yeah. I, I, I would be. I think he's. I, you know, this could be a big bounce back effort for him. But I just feel like he's a he's a little bit behind behind his best. Gotcha. Well, we got to wrap up here. So thank you for joining us, everyone. Have an outstanding sports weekend. We once again thank Nick Hines, the Sarge, and David Gaskin for Fox Sports, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.